Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates and ready to go. Friday edition of Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. If you're watching on YouTube, we'll hope you'll subscribe to the channel while you're there. You can get all of the shows across the network. And if you're listening to this great radio station, we appreciate you there as well. You can find us on social media and on the YouTube channel. Just search out Outkick. Uh, Chad, busy show. We're going to react a lot to the first round of the NFL draft. We'll be previewing what's to come over the weekend, and especially as the second round gets underway in a matter of hours. Jim Nagy joins us in about 20 minutes. He's the senior director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, longtime scout, 18 years in the NFL. He will help us break down the best talent available now, why Will Levis remains available in this draft, and much more that's coming up in 20 minutes. Daryl Johnston, Daryl Moose Johnston, president of the USFL. He will be with us later this hour, plus Taylor Bashotti host on NFL Network. She joins us from Los Angeles later in the program. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. So many directions to go today. This is one of those where there's no shortage of topics based off an eventful first round of the NFL draft last night. So we'll get to Levis in a moment. The draft really started after Bryce Young was selected by the Carolina Panthers. We ended the show yesterday on a tweet sent by Mike Florio at Pro Football Talk saying the Titans were trying to move up in a trade to get to number three overall. Now, they were going to do that if the Houston Texans did not draft C.J. Stroud. But the Texans end up making the right call and going with the quarterback that should have been highest on their board. Is that true? Well, they drafted him there. Reports are that ownership stepped in yesterday And that's how things unfolded. Believe what you want to. But the Houston Texans, by drafting C.J. Stroud, and the price is steep, but trading back in to the third overall pick with the Arizona Cardinals and to draft Will Anderson, they need a transformation within that organization. It starts with the leadership uh, leadership up top. They've done that uh, to some extent just by bringing in D'Amico Ryans, and what they're trying to build as an organization. But it starts at quarterback. And they made the right call by going with C.J. Stroud, despite all of the smoke screens that were out there, that they were out on him. Number two, they end up with Will Anderson, who production on the field meets the criticism of the NFL draft process, and they still go back with the most productive player that was available to them at that spot, They get two difference makers. It starts at quarterback. And hats off to Houston for just sticking with what was perfect on paper. Because if you don't roll the dice and go with C.J. Stroud, you're always going to look back and think, what could have been if he's a hit and any other quarterback situation is not? And in a league where you can't afford to just sit around and wait, I, for one, have been saying and shouting from the rooftops for the last, what, two and a half, three weeks since the reports were that C.J. Stroud was falling. You can't sit around and wait on the quarterback. You've got to draft your guy at two 
And, Chad, that's what they did. And I don't know what to believe in, in reports anymore. We're going to get into a lot of that with, with some of these things that yeah. are out there. Um, I don't know if it, were, it was the Texans intentionally putting a smoke screen out and they really wanted C.J. Stroud all along, or if the reports were true that Casario and Ryans were somehow out on C.J. Stroud and the owners forced them to draft the player. I can't wait to get John McClain back on because he told yeah. us they were out on it. Yep. And John has also been consistent about ownership hires these guys and lets them do what they want. So this is kind of like uh, a few good men in the code red. Well, something's not true here. Either it was a big lie that they were out on C.J. Stroud all along, or in the last minute they came back around on C.J. Stroud, and I'm talking about Casario and Ryans, or something happened that John and everyone else who's covered that team happened, and ownership stepped in and said, nope, I'm making this call. You're drafting C.J. Stroud at quarterback. So something fishy was going on. But either way, we're going to get into some big questions around this draft later. Yes. Tough to argue with the Texans – on C.J. Stroud, arguably the best quarterback in this draft. I said arguably. I don't believe it. I think the Panthers got the best quarterback with Bryce Young. But on top of that, they get Will Anderson, who I think is the best defensive player in this draft, if not best, second best behind Jalen Carter, who only fell because of some character off-field issues with him. So a really good night for the Texans, even if they gave up a lot. To move and up did. and get Will Anderson. They, and they did. They did. But you also have to keep in mind, the Texans have a boatload of picks over the next few years because they've traded players, uh, namely Watson. They've got all these first-round picks from the Cleveland Browns. They can use that as ammo to move around with some of their draft capital. And at some point, you've got to use it. And when you have a, a first-time head coach coming in and you're trying to reshape your organization – Now's the time to jump in and do it if you're sold on the quarterback, you're drafting second overall. Now, the theory is that the Titans, by trying to move up to three, forced Houston into taking C.J. Stroud because if he were available, the Titans were going to move into the spot with Arizona. But the talk about the, the, the Texans being in line for the third pick as well with Arizona had been out there, so much so that Daniel Jeremiah in his final mock draft, credit where credit's due here, had the Texans taking C.J. Stroud at two and then trading back to three to draft Will Anderson. Now, I don't know the price tag from Jeremiah's point of view on what he thought they'd pay. It's a lot, but they have to, make, they have to take some risks that are going to be high risk and also high reward in, in regards to who they've drafted. These guys don't just have to be good. They've got to be very good. But you can't sit back and say, well, we're not sure, so we're just going to trade back and just collect more and more picks and just wait on the quarterback. If you don't have that guy, Chad, you don't stand a chance. And it's time to get the clock rolling because while D'Amico Ryans has a six-year contract in this league, you don't have six years to produce results, especially for an organization that has 11 wins over the past three years. And speaking of 11, 11 of the 30 quarterbacks drafted in the first round since 2010, only 11 of the 30 went on to sign a second contract with that organization. So it's always a roll of the dice. And in this case, they took the best quarterback knowing that they have a chance to develop him now and have a chance to hit on some things later in the draft, because again, they still have picks, to put some talent around him and build up the offense around C.J. Stroud and not Will Levis, or not just taking a defensive player 
and continuing down the path of Davis Mills. Sure, as things turned out, they could have drafted Will Levis at 12, but they took the better quarterback. Yeah. And then they made a move to go get the best defensive player on their board. And I, I just don't know what to believe. We, we know that it's a season of lies when it comes to the NFL draft. And when there's one outside report about one thing going on, then you can look at that and be skeptical and cynical of, of that every single time. But when so many trusted media members are saying one thing, and that one thing was the Texans are out on C.J. Stroud, and then the Texans draft C.J. Stroud, I do want to get to the bottom mm -hmm. about what exactly happened, whether it was the Texans intentionally throwing a smokescreen out there to lie about their desire to draft C.J. Stroud, or it was some sort of ownership mandate to draft C.J. Stroud and then trade up to get Will Anderson after that. I'd like to know what happened. But regardless of what went into it, Texans did the right thing. Yes, They got the right player, and then they got the best defensive player in the draft also with Will Anderson. So my hat's off to Nick Casario and D'Amico Ryans. Time will tell if this is going to be widely successful or not. But I look at this draft and think, man, that's great job, Houston Texans, on what they were able to accomplish and how either intentional or not they were able to throw off everyone that covered this draft about what they were going to do. It would take multiple future first-round picks if they were to have selected Anderson for a team to move up with Arizona to get the third spot ahead of Indy. But here's the price tag if you're just trying to get to pick number three from 12 for a non-quarterback, and it's steep. They, of course, gave up pick 12. They gave up their second-round pick tonight at 33 overall, the second pick tonight in the draft. Um, first-round pick next year plus a third-round pick next year. And they end up getting – they pick up, what, a third-round pick this year, I believe, at 105? Yep. But they get the third overall pick, and they get Will Anderson. On paper, the Cardinals did a great job here because they still end up with the offensive tackle. They use some of this to move back into the top ten and draft the offensive tackle, Paris Johnson. But a great job by both organizations. The Texans rolled the dice, and win or lose in the long run, I'm not going to crush them – over what they gave up for Will Anderson and for taking the quarterback, which is how you win Super Bowls and how you get back to winning as an organization. Chad, Will Levis is trying to just find his organization, and the wait continues as we go into day number two of the draft. Well, first off, I want to congratulate NFL front offices, GMs, coaches everywhere for doing what Hutton and I had done and watched Will Levis. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I, I don't want to say I told you so, but I'm here to tell you I told you so. This guy is not that good. There are too many deficiencies. Yes, he's got a strong arm. Yes, at times he looks the part, but there are too many holes in his game and judgment issues on the field and personality quirks that I personally and I think a lot of other NFL GMs don't necessarily covet as a first-round NFL quarterback draft pick. And we saw that last night because he fell out of the first round. But none of this is really Will Levis's fault. If you are upset that ESPN continued to show Will Levis over and over and that he showed up in Kansas City thinking he was a first-round draft pick, well, then blame Mel Kuyper. Because Mel Kuyper and ESPN propped up Will Levis for way more than he is for months going into this thing. And NFL GMs did their due diligence and watched the film. And, oh, by the way, how do we just find out on draft night after he's dropping down the board that he played with turf toe for an entire season? And now that's suddenly an issue because GMs think that's going to be a chronic problem 
in the NFL. And now all of a sudden he's Carson Wentz with an injury history. I mean, give me a break. That's, that's the if agent you want going to blame to anyone, I, I don't feel bad for Will Levis. He's still going to make a lot of money. And quite frankly, he played his way into a second or third round pick. And he's going to be a second round pick. That's probably about where he needs to go. And he's going to be fine. He can use this to motivate him. He can use the chip on his shoulder, all those things. He can continue putting mayo in his coffee and move about his business. But if you want to look for someone to blame, blame Mel Kuyper. The guy acted like he's the second coming of John Elway coming up in this draft and continued to harp on all of the traits and all the ways he's going to be a great NFL quarterback throughout the night. And everyone who watched him play football in the SEC knows that guy's probably a second-round developmental pick for someone, maybe third round. He's got some traits. He could end up being a good quarterback. He's not a good NFL quarterback right now. And he doesn't exhibit the signs of being one. So the NFL got it right. Mel Kuyper got it wrong. Will Levis is going to be fine. I know he's leaving Kansas City now. I don't take great joy in watching someone be that uncomfortable, thinking one thing was going to happen and the complete opposite happens. But I knew this would probably happen. It's what should have happened. Well, I thought he'd be drafted He's a second-round pick. Night. I thought he'd be drafted last night, and the consensus was there were at least four quarterbacks that would have been drafted, and it turns out there were three. I thought he'd be drafted only because I thought someone would be stupid enough to take him in the first round. So I applaud the NFL GMs for not being dumb enough to do that and waiting until the well, second round. What ends up happening, though, for him is a chance to actually develop behind a veteran whenever he's selected tonight at some point. Because now the investment, Chad is not as steep if you want to go in. You're not using a first-round pick on a quarterback you don't plan to start. And now you can, while you don't have a fifth-year option on the guy, you can put him behind your said starter and begin the season with Will Levis developing him the same way that the Colts have already admitted that they're going to have to develop Anthony Richardson, and they're saying it's not going to be pretty early. Well, with Levis now in the second round, you don't have to make it look like anything other than a backup quarterback who at one point was labeled as a ready, ready-to-go starter throughout the draft process. So I do think they're... For, it's from a Levis's, blessing in disguise, possibly. Be, I agree with you. It could be. It won't be viewed as that until they start spinning it that way tonight when he's drafted. But last night, all the cameras were on him because he's there and it's no different. I mean, it's, it shouldn't be stunning to people that the cameras are on him and they're flipping back and forth to get his reaction because we've seen that since the, in the history of what this draft has become. Just look at Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. You know, like we, every year there is that guy and you don't want to be that guy if you're the draft prospect, but every year there's that guy and it's Will Levis this year. And we may not have seen a fall like this for a quarterback. No, and, and look, it's, um, it's unfortunate for Will Levis that he thought he was going to be a, a high draft pick. And I think everyone, I, I include, I thought someone would take him. I didn't think he should go. I've said all along, I think he's more of a second, third round developmental sit for a while guy. And this could definitely, you're right, be a blessing in disguise. He could go to a good team now with a good offensive mind and be in a situation that's not going to be pressure packed where he could develop into a good NFL starter. And that's the best case scenario for Will Levis. I do want to flash this graphic, yes. though, that we have also up right now. And I was getting so flipping irritated last night seeing this. 
when ESPN is popping up. Less than 0.1% chance to not be picked in the first round. Less than 4% chance not to go in the top 15. Less than 2% chance not to go in the top 25. And so on and so forth. Says who? Says you. This is the biggest load of crap. This is no algorithm. This doesn't have any math behind it. This is Mel Kuyper and your draft experts experts saying where they think Will Levis should go. That's all it is. These chances and percentage chances mean nothing other than something you created right. about Will Levis. This was your creation as to the chances of him being drafted. If you polled every NFL GM and they gave you an honest assessment, I'd say the chances were probably 75 to 90% that he wouldn't be drafted in the first round based on what actually happened in the first round last night. So don't give me this percentage chance he was going in the first round when it's your own creation that I, says that. But I am, I am stunned he wasn't drafted last night. And I, I've said, I, don't, I thought he was a good quarterback, not a great quarterback for a prospect in the rookie class this year that's somewhere between pick 15 and 20. And we're treating him like he's the number one overall selection, media-wise. So I, I, I am stunned that he wasn't selected because I, don't, I can't recall a quarterback I mean, we saw Malik Willis and a group of them last year, but they, they were not the, the hype of this group. Everyone last year was talking about this year's class, and we're already doing it for next year's class with two of them at least, with Williams and May. Point being, the, the drop that we saw from him, where we could have seen him go to the Houston Texans at 2 or 12, based on what report you believe, to now not even drafted in the first round, so now reports are that teams are clamoring to trade up with Pittsburgh at pick 32, the first team on the clock tonight, to draft him. That would show that teams are surprised that he's still on the board, but teams passed on him that could have taken the QB for the backup role and chose not to invest in the fifth-year option. And if he starts to fall again tonight, he's not going to be in Kansas City, right? He's headed back. Yeah, the report is from uh, KSR, Kentucky Sports Radio, someone with them, that he's already left. That he's not going to be in Kansas City for tonight's second round. And uh, that, that's where – I don't know where he's going, but he's not going to be there. I've seen a number of people in our YouTube chat compare Will Levis to Jay Cutler, Jay Cutler 2.0. That'd be a great career for Will Levis. Sure. I don't see that as a knock. And Cutler was, what, the sixth pick in the draft? Yeah, that's the difference. But if, if Will Levis now is a second round, he will go in the second round and, and pretty quickly. If Will Levis is a second-round pick, has Jay Cutler's career, that's the ceiling to me for Will Levis. That's not awful. That's good Coming for up, him. I don't see that as a knock at all. Let's, let's have Jim Nagy weigh in on this. He's the senior director, executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl and a longtime NFL scout, now doing great work down in Mobile with everything going on around the Senior Bowl where we first see the impressions made. Um, Hendon Hooker and others remain there. Uh, Solid players on defense remain at the top of many boards right now from the consensus analysts. We'll get Nagy's take on that plus reaction to last night from him. That's straight ahead on Hot Mike. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience 
and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. And we're live from 6th and Peabody on this Friday with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hutton Withrow with you for Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. The NFL draft process, while it's always ongoing, we've said for the last several years, Chad, the Senior Bowl, reach the Senior Bowl is where things get started, just as important as the Combine, where first impressions can be made with interviews and other things. And the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl is Jim Nagy, longtime NFL scout for 18 seasons, I believe, and now he's doing a tremendous job with the Senior Bowl and everything that goes into it. Time to react to what we saw in the first round and preview some things ahead for tonight. Jim, thank you so much for the time today, man. Yeah, guys, good to be on. What do you make of the fall for Will Levis, just initial impression of how things played out last night versus expectation from what you've seen? Uh, man, that's a complicated answer for me. I, I, I don't want this to sound like sour grapes because, uh, you know, Will didn't come play in the Senior Bowl this year, um, and it was really injury-related. I, I don't think it's because he didn't want to come compete. Um, was I surprised he slid? Not really. Was I surprised he slid all the way in the first round? Yeah. Um, I, I would have thought somebody down there later down the line when we got into the, like the late teens, uh, maybe would have jumped on Will, but, uh, you know, the, the tape, there was some stuff on there that, that made you pause a little bit. Um, and again, when you're drafting a guy up in the first round, you're basically saying that he's going to be your franchise quarterback. I mean, it, it really is like that cutoff to first round, second round. If the guy's labeled a first-round quarterback, your fan base is going to expect him to take you to the playoffs every year and compete for Super Bowl. So if you don't feel like he, if you don't feel like that prospect is the guy, I mean, it's hard as a front office to take him. So um, yeah, I could have foreseen something a little slide, but but nothing like we saw last night. I think the opposite side of that coin is Darnell Wright in his ascension. Uh, from Senior Bowl on, uh, what it felt like updraft board, just from the outside looking in, may have always been around a first-round pick. But going 10th overall to the Bears, your impression of Darnell Wright and that landing spot for him? Shoot, we, we take this thing back a year. Um, Darnell Wright was, you know, we started watching these uh, players a year over a year ago. And over the summer, he was so low on our board. Uh, I went up to Knoxville in August um, and Coach Hypo was good enough to let me go out there and speak to the team after practice one day. And they kept some seniors around to, to talk to me. And um, he wasn't even on the list of guys that I gave the, the Tennessee football guys. It was like Byron Young, the, the edge player. It was Hennon Hooker, Cedric Tillman, the, the wide receiver. I didn't even talk to Darnell that day. That's a we had a late round grade on. So um, then they moved him to the right side this year. And it, he looks like a, he almost looks like a different player. Um 
So we had him in the second round going into senior bowl week. That's where the majority of the league had him second, third round. I didn't hear anything first round. So for a major college player to make a full round jump um, in the pre-draft process, that's significant. Um, and we're talking like eight, nine, $10 million uh, jump for Darnell. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for him, man. I mean, it's a good pick for the Chicago Bears. I think their plan is good, first of all. You see a lot of these teams draft players and ask them to do something in the pros that they weren't, they didn't really do in college or, or that's the benefit of the senior bowl too. You get to see guys used in a different way than they were maybe used at the college level, but, but they're going to play Darnell on the right side. Um, and like I said, he was a different player on the right side than he was on the left side at Tennessee. They're going to going to give Braxton Jones, the bears are going to Braxton Jones last year's fifth round pick another year uh, to develop at left tackle. And uh, I think he earned that this year. He played pretty good as a, is an untested rookie out of Southern Utah um, and just slot Darnell on the right side and, uh, and go from there. So, yeah, I, I like the fit. I like the marriage. I was texting with their GM, Ryan Poles, uh, who he and I worked together in Kansas city um, about 10 years ago. And Ryan, you know, he, he, he talked about sitting with Darnell down here at mobile in, in the meeting rooms. He actually sat right behind him and watched him take notes and watched how attentive he was with uh, the Bears offensive coordinator, Luke Getze, was the head coach of Darnell's team down here in Mobile. So I think they got a really good look at him here uh, down here at the Senior Bowl. Jim, are there other players from last night that would qualify in that Darnell Wright category uh, based on the offseason, the draft process, after the, after the collegiate career and after a Senior Bowl interview or just first impressions that could be initially made by said player? Yeah, I mean, Will McDonald, um, the edge player from Iowa State, uh, went to the Jets at number 15 overall. And Will's another guy that uh, you look at his you look at his production at the college level. The guy had 33 sacks over the last four years, which is really incredible production. But then you see how he got it um, and where they aligned him. I mean, he was really a, a five technique or a four eye technique where he's he's basically was playing head up on the tackle or tight to the shoulder of the tackle in college. I um, mean, you heard if you if you saw the um, kind of the, the phone call last night that the Jets made Robert Sala, the head coach, he said, he's like, let's get you wide. We're going to, we're going to get you out of that four eye technique. We're going to get you wide um, at the nine technique and let you just rip off that edge and, and see what you can do. Cause uh, man, he's, I think he's the most athletic pass rusher in the draft. He's certainly the, the bendiest um, pass rusher in the draft, even more so than like Will Anderson from Alabama. This guy's the limit for this guy. And again, he's another guy before he got down here to mobile, probably mid second, you know, he was only 235 pounds. I think some teams had some concerns about his lack of bulk. Um, again, when you're jumping a full round at that point in the draft, I mean, that's millions and millions of dollars. So um, that's, a, that's, a, that's another example, but there's a bunch of guys that, that, that really had good springs and took advantage of the whole process. You know, now that Hinton Hooker, we know he's not going to be a first round pick. The question becomes about fit and just best place for him. Now uh, going to be a second round pick. We would think, tonight what, what what do you think about Hendon Hooker and maybe a spot that really could work for him in terms of system and fit well you know there was a couple teams there in the first round that had multiple picks that that people maybe thought Hendon could land Detroit being one of them they had that pick at 18 they took a linebacker from Iowa Jack Campbell the Seahawks were sitting there at 20 um some people thought the Seahawks might take Anthony Richardson up at the top of the first round and, and roll the dice there um, and then they, you know, they went, they, they didn't do that. They took the corner from, from Illinois, uh, Devin Witherspoon. And then they followed up at 20 with Jackson Smith and Jigba. I thought Seattle knocked it out of the park last night. Um, but they've got a couple picks here in the second round, you know, so they could follow back up. But, um, you know, to me, Hendon, it's not really, um, you know, a, a fit thing. I just, 
you know, I think I hope he goes to a place. I do think Seattle would be a good fit just because he could sit behind Geno Smith. But uh, you know, I think for for Hendon, he's not really a scheme specific guy, and that's the hard part of the evaluation is coming out of that Tennessee offense a little bit can be difficult. But I think he can play in any scheme. I really do. I think his game can can adapt. Um, I just he I hope he goes somewhere where he can he doesn't have to get on the field right away because again we still don't know what that injury thing's gonna how that's gonna affect him going into uh, the offseason. Yeah, Seattle. You mentioned and then I think Detroit has three second round picks tonight. So, I mean, again, like if you're looking for a guy to sit behind a veteran, Hendon Hooker, Will Levis is also going to be coveted for that, too, with the pressure not on the first round expectation. Jim Nagy with us. He's the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. So help me with this. Why, why is it posturing or smokescreening for the Houston Texans to act like, if it's true, act like they weren't in on C.J. Stroud? What's the, what's the benefit from the organization internally to keep that such a tight-knit secret that people actually thought they would pass on him? I don't know if that's what they were trying to do. I worked with Nick Casario, their GM, for a long time in New England, and that's that's just Nick. Um, like, he's going to keep everything close to the vest. I don't know if they were putting out a smokescreen. They didn't want him. I've got good friends in an organization, and when, when I talk to these guys, especially up at that point in the draft, I mean, that's really sensitive. I wasn't trying to pry into their business, but – they did. I mean, again, I've got some, I've got some close buddies up over there, and and uh, I had no idea what they were going to do going into last night. No, no idea at all. But that's just that's kind of who Nick is, and I I respect him for it, man. Because they wouldn't have been able to pull off what they pulled off last night, you know, if teams really knew how interested they were in in, in CJ. And and credit to Nick, man. That that to me that goes against his nature a little bit. He was very aggressive. Um, I really think they wanted to add Will Anderson, the leader um, and competitor, into this draft class. I think. You know, just talking to those guys this morning, I mean, that was important for them. And, and did they did they give up? I've seen some things online that some people are questioning. Did they give up too much for Will Anderson? Maybe they're totally comfortable with it. They wanted that guy in their building. Um, that relationship between Will and D'Amico Ryan's. I don't know if there's already that Crimson Tide connection between those two guys, but I mean, they put a premium on Will Anderson, uh, the leader. And, and again, if they're comfortable with it, they're they're fine with giving up what they gave up because they really wanted to get that guy in their building. And I'm I'm looking from a broad sense. It's not specifically with those connected with Houston here. Just from your experience, if a team like the Titans is rumored to try to trade up to three if C.J. Stroud's available, does that make a team that could wait until pick twelve to take a quarterback take C.J. there instead of waiting later in the first round, or is that just is that just not happening? It, where do you get spooked into actually taking the guy? Yeah, I mean, it can. I mean, it could it could lull you into a, a false sense. Well, the Texans don't want the guy. We can wait on him. You know, we don't we don't need to go up and get him there. I mean, there's that. But man, if you to me, if you like the player, um, if let's say if it say it is the Tennessee Titans, if the Tennessee Titans really wanted CJ Stroud, you got to be aggressive and go get him. Um, I'm that's just my nature. I'm not about sitting back and and uh, always letting things come to me. I do think there's something to be said for patience when you're on the clock. Um, you know, in, in letting the draft kind of fall to you sometimes. But if you really, especially the quarterback spot, man. So if Tennessee yeah. liked him, um, they should have they went and got him. I want to ask you about a couple of pass catchers that you're familiar with, with your time with them at the Senior Bowl that's going to go, we think, tonight. We think second round, definitely tonight. Jonathan Mingo from Ole Miss is a name that many people are floating out there to go quickly tonight in the second round. What was your impression of him? Yeah, we saw a nice little run there at the end of the first round last night. That wiped out about four or five of those guys. Um, 
You know, Mingo's different. He's different than all those guys. He's even different than Quentin Johnson from, from TCU who went last night because Quentin Johnson, anyone that watched even the highlights of the draft last night, you saw he's really a tall kind of slender um, player where Mingo is, I mean, he's built like uh, he's built like your guy, AJ Brown, that used to, to yeah. be there in Nashville. But, you know, big, rocked up, sturdy, two, six, six, three, 220 pound guy, bouncy athlete. Um, he's made a big ascension through the through the process. Talked about Darnell Wright and and Will McDonald jumping a full round. I mean, Mingo's probably jumped at least two or three rounds. I mean, most teams had him fourth or fifth round before this whole thing started. And now he's up there. Like you said, I'd be shocked if he got out of the first 10 picks uh, tonight. He's going to go somewhere early, too. Uh, so really big jump, but we're talking about a springy athlete. Um, maybe not, you know, not as productive as some people would like at the college level, but I think you can point to a lot of those guys that have come through Ole Miss and not been as productive at the college level. Even even Dawson Knox, um, the tight end up in Buffalo. I mean, that's a guy that they barely threw Dawson Knox the ball when he was at Ole Miss, and now he's one of the more productive tight ends in the National Football League. So um, you just it's hard to find guys that are that are that size and that good an athlete and run in the mid four fours. I mean, you got to take those guys. They don't grow on trees. You're not going to get them on day three. Um, so this this seems like the the logical landing spot for for John Mingo tonight. Tight end looks to be pretty deep tonight in the second round. Luke Musgrave from Oregon State. What what do you think of him? Yeah, it's a, it's a deep class, and we saw. You know, I, I think that's why people waited. You know, there was some thought that we might see three or four of those guys go off in the first round. But when there's depth at a position like that, and you know you can get a good player, I mean. It didn't surprise me that teams the teams waited and addressed other needs in the first round. So yeah, I think that's another position. I think we're going to see we're going to see some wideouts. I think we're going to see tight end, interior, offensive line. Uh, those are all groups. You know, Luke's big thing is uh, he was banged up this year. Only played in a couple games. Came down here to Mobile. Had to shake the rust off a little bit. Um, his th- his biggest thing. We're talking about a big guy that can really run, stretch the seam, um, athlete. Right? You're gonna you're you're betting on the traits with him. There are some drops, you know, there's some inconsistencies with the hands that that make you pause a little bit. But, uh, man, he's a, he's a high character guy. He's from a football family. He's a really good athlete. Um, best football still ahead of him. That's why he's not going to last long. And there was there was some thought him maybe going in the 20s, maybe to Dallas at 26. Um, he's another guy, I think, with like him, Iowa, Sam Laporta, uh, Michael Mayer at Notre Dame. A guy didn't go yesterday. Darnell Washington at Georgia. Man, there's there's some good ones at tight end to go get early. Who's the small school guy that helped himself a round or two early that we'll see come off the board tonight that no one's actually seen play? Uh, <laughs> that's an easy one for me, and I, I hope he goes tonight. I, I think he might. Uh, there's a guy, Marte Mapu from Sacramento State. And I'll say this, like even our staff, we missed on this guy, totally whiffed. Um, he was the big sky defensive player of the year. We didn't have much on him um, from our staff, our, our guys that were out west scouting for us. And he went to the NFLPA All-Star Game, which is an All-Star Game the week before ours out in Pasadena. They played at the Rose Bowl. Um, and that was a funny week, man, because like when we pull up players now, um, there's another All-Star Game called the, the East-West Shrine Game that used to go the week before us. Well, they moved into our game week now. So if we, if we, if we call guys up from another All-Star Game, it's from the PA game. I had about 80, 80 agents that week text me saying, hey, Jim, my guy's the best player out here at NFLPA. All the scouts are saying he belongs out at the senior bowl and, uh, and, and every single one of them, I'd seen the players. So I could, I could give them our response, what we thought of them. But then I get a text from this Marte Mapu's agent and I hadn't watched him yet. So I just, I told the agent, listen, I'll watch him tonight. I'll get back to you tomorrow and, and, and we'll go from there. And I put on the tape and man, this guy's six foot three, 220 pounds. He's kind of a hybrid safety linebacker. 
Um, and he hits like a ton of bricks. Um, we played him at linebacker here in the senior bowl. We ended up calling him up. So there's the end of that story. Uh, we ended up calling him up. He had a really good week. Um, I was watching on the field with, with a head coach, an NFL head coach, watching this nine on seven inside run drill. And Mapu was just coming downhill, blowing up the fullback and making plays. And this NFL head coach looked over at me. It was like, where did you find this guy? Um, and Daniel Jeremiah put Marte up at his number 74 overall player um, on his final top 150. So um, that would put him somewhere in the third round. And that's that's kind of what I'm hearing right now from teams. We'll see. He didn't get to go to the combine. He didn't get a combine invite. And then he didn't have a pro day because he's had an injury. Um, so we'll see. Uh, that might force him into the third. But, man, I still think he goes tonight. Jim Nagy has been our guest. Final thing for you, Jim. So if it's not, all the reports are going to be about Will Levis. Team's trying to trade up to 32 tonight to draft him with Pittsburgh. If it's not quarterback, which player do you think teams are clamoring most for that's still available? I don't think there, I don't think there is a guy. Okay. I think that's what makes this draft. I don't think, the, I think that's what makes this draft kind of unique. Unless there's someone like had a really high grade on, on Darnell Washington or, or Michael Mayer, one of these tight ends. You know, a top guy at their position, the top safety, Brian Branch. Look, the, the the safety from Alabama. Maybe maybe that's the guy. But, you know, this draft was seen inside the league from about 13 or 14 to about 50. They're about the same player. You know, that, I mean, I really the teams felt like they could get the same guy in the 40s that they could get in the late teens. So I don't think you're going to see a, a lot of action on that Pittsburgh call. I, I actually think they might stay put. Uh, how cool would it be if they took Joey Porter Jr. Yeah. there? But yeah. Um, yeah, I just think teams are going to sit tight because there's too many good players left. Hey, man, we, we love the insight. Thank you for the, the honest reaction to things, too. And um, we'd love to get down to the Senior Bowl next year. Let's go ahead and just call the shot now uh, because the Radio we, Row continues to grow. Yeah, we would love to have you down. The Radio Row is, is growing. We, we had some, some folks from Nashville down, the Tennessee Titans. Yep. Uh, radio guys came down. We'd love to have you, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks, Jim. Uh, Jim we Nagy appreciate you. Does a great job of the Reese's Senior Bowl, and you can see the impact just in the first round alone on guys that go down and make an impression, get in a room with the general managers, and then end up moving up boards. Not just moving up a couple spots, but move up rounds based on just the impact that they can make behind the scenes uh, there where there's no limit on how many interviews you can do, if you're Hendon Hooker, you can go talk to all 32 teams there, and then you can set up your top 30 visits. It's a great system they've got going, plus the game itself produces players that can show their versatility. Speaking of that, uh, you can also do that in the Spring League that's ongoing right now with the USFL. We've got the president of the USFL, Daryl Moose Johnston, who joins us next on Hot Mike. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Coming up, we've got our favorite picks from the first round and the head scratchers, at least according to us, according to the teams, everybody got exactly who they wanted. How about Brad Holmes, the general manager of the Detroit Lions? This is the second consecutive year that he's just lost his mind over getting the pick. Like it, 
if you don't believe that the Lions didn't get the guy they wanted, you, uh, you just can't be convinced of anything based on how he's reacting live on camera, hanging up the phone, turning the pick in, and then just trying to break a table. He's so excited. Last year, he ripped the phone away from one of the members of the Ford family to, to jump on and talk to this player. I, lo- I love this guy. He's quickly becoming one of my favorite personalities <laughs> of draft night. And uh, um, I-, I love one tweet from a Detroit reporter said, man, this group really hates DeAndre Swift based on their reaction of getting Jameer Gibbs with the 12th pick. Yeah. And that now is the talk that DeAndre Swift is in the trade market. Well, he's wanted to be. Yeah. And well, coming into tonight that that could be one of the moves that's made is something happening that includes him. Because he wants that, that contract extension, and instead you draft over him at the running back spot. And the investment, though. Qu- quickly on the running backs, by the way. First in round. The, in yeah. the first round. Yeah. Like, you know, there's this. Uh, I saw B. John Robinson. Maybe this is going to start a trend of this happening with some top guys. Yeah. And maybe it does for this reason. That's going to be the best contract these running backs get as first rounders. I think increasingly you're going to see teams that feel like they're a running back away from really popping offensively. Going ahead and getting that guy with not a lot of tread on the tires, five years. getting the rookie contract, locking them up for five years, that's their prime mm-hmm. for a running back, 21 to 26 or 22 to 27. But you can control and them for then seven just years. Like, like we're right. seeing with Saquon. Point being, it's the second big contract that's not going to be happening. I think you may see, not not everyone, but a few teams saying, we'll invest with this guy for a first-round pick for five or six years yeah. and then be done with them. So the highest-paid running backs, Chad, in 2023, Christian McCaffrey, $16 million in salary. Alvin Kamara at 15. Ezekiel Elliott would have made the same, but the Dallas Cowboys had to dump him for the money reasons there. Dalvin Cook, who could also be traded, is 12.6. Derrick Henry at 12 and a half, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, and then there's Joe Mixon and James Conner. But there's a big drop off from Mixon from 12 million down to James Conner at seven. But here's the other thing of why I think the value can go back up for the running back spot. And part of this is part of the reason why the value's not there is you can find these guys later in the draft that can do the specialty aspects. But Austin Eckler who I realized was undrafted, has led the league in touchdowns each of the last two seasons and had 100 catches for the Chargers last year out of the backfield. So in what is becoming more and more of a collegiate-like offensive league, the short passing game, the aspect of what you can do out of the backfield to help, it's also an extension of pass protection in some ways, and they use Eckler but they can use wide receivers now as an extension of a run game because of the quick passes. Tyreek Hill was used that way some in Kansas City when they didn't have a run game. Point being, I I think if you get the do-it-all player, it's worth the five-year, the fifth-year option because then the fifth-year option is going to guarantee, what, 10 million plus. But after that, if you don't want to give them the extension, you can do it year to year, and then after year seven or going into year seven on a tag, if you want to tag the player, which will be lower than the average offensive skill set player's tag price, you go back in the draft and you rinse and repeat. And I think that's what the New York Giants are going to end up doing with Saquon Barkley because they've got him on the fifth year and they've got him on the tag, excuse me, and then they just continue to roll it over with another tag next year that would be higher, 
But if it's if he produces like he did last year again, while he could hold out, chances are he won't because he's going to make what twenty percent more, ten percent more than what he's getting now on the tag. But I, I like your line of thinking there. The, but, the, getting the fifth year option, I, I think. Point is, I think the Derrick Henrys are going to be so rare that get that huge second contract. Yeah. I think GMs are going to say, all right, if we're allocating resources to our roster, let's draft this possible difference-making running back that can play slot, that can catch the ball out of the backfield, that can do all these different things, that has versatility. Get them on that rookie first-round contract, five-year, the fifth-year option, five years of control, and I think that puts them in a, in a good spot as opposed to having to invest in either your own player or someone else's player that's been really good in the league in a second-year contract, given the law of diminishing returns of running backs right now. I mean, I, it sounds crass, but you don't want to get the guy that's used up at all. You want to be the organization that uses them up. And you can do that with a first-round pick. And I think more and more teams are going to maybe start doing that, like we saw with the Lions and the Falcons last night. And the Falcons are going to use him big, but he's also just a he's a piece to their entire run offense yes. than what Arthur Smith is doing. By the way, how about this about B. John Robinson? B. John Robinson is the first Texas offensive skill player in round one since Vince Young. Ooh. That is crazy 2006 to me. draft. First skill set player for a Texas Longhorn offensive player to be drafted in the first round. He's the first top 10 running back since Saquon Barkley. That blows my mind. For that school yeah. in that state, yes, that's crazy. That's a long drought right there. And uh, the the success continues for Alabama, just tying in Jameer Gibbs. Alabama has a first-round pick now in 15 consecutive drafts. Well, it's amazing when you look at Alabama's first round with Bryce Young, Will Anderson, Jameer Gibbs. I, I mean, <laughs> and it sounds crazy that losing two games is an enormous underachievement. I know. But it is with that group. A rebuilding year is what Saban said, right? Well, that's crazy. That was the year before, I think. But, you know, <laughs> th th this was supposed to be the year, but they lost two games. Yeah. You know, at the very – one in overtime, one in a last-second field goal, both on the road to Tennessee and LSU. And it does look like a massive underachievement when you look at the talent, the top-end talent, NFL draft pick talent on that team, and then all the guys who are going to go after this too, starting maybe with Brian Branch. Could be a very early second-round pick tonight. He's, that's a preview of what's to come later in the show when we give our top players still available. The guys we would draft immediately tonight. Branch is very high on, on my list just for the spot he plays and the consistency he plays with. Coming up, uh, Daryl Moose Johnston will join us uh, in the next hour. Plus, we give our top picks and the biggest head-scratchers from round one. That's next on Hot Mike.